I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Race for the Ring, Episode 120, Bring the Bling with Dan Moran. Welcome to The Race for the Ring, the podcast about dating and embracing self-love and inner confidence. I'm your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, two-time author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and soon-to-be psychotherapist. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In an age of online swiping and in-person meetups, I found the world of love and lust has been a confusing place to be. So each week, we will chat with a different dating king or queen, socialite, or relationship expert, and explore the many facets of dating today, and come up with our clear plan on how to find the finest fish in the sea. Ready, set, go! Hi guys, today we are talking about one of my favorite topics in the whole wide world, jewelry, diamonds, and gold, and platinum. Um, I have an amazing jeweler, he is based in LA, but he caters to everybody all over the place, including internationally too. He is a private jewelry and diamond expert and is known for his variety approach to buying a diamond. He has really good tips for everybody listening. Um, and again, I want to take like a little pause to share. This is for those of you who have caught your prince or princess, have ended your race and are ready to get the ring and then also as a sidebar we also talk about what do you do if you're you have a ring from um a relationship that went sour um and how you can maybe use it for other things or get some value uh and get some cash for it so he shows a lot of really good tips about that he works as i mentioned with clients from all over the world and was featured in vogue bridal guide magazine brides modern luxury huffington Post women's health and so many more and his family's been in the business for a hundred years which is really impressive so he clearly knows this stuff he's had his company for 20 years it's called concierge diamonds he's located right in downtown la and he custom makes everything he manufactures and designs the diamond that you want to fit your budget and this isn't a commercial even though i know i sound like i'm making a commercial he's he gives us a lot of really good information that you can use whether you use him or someone else So without further ado, let's get right to the jewels. Hello, Dan. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. 
Yeah, I'm excited. We're talking about one of my favorite things, jewelry. <laughs> I don't know what, who doesn't like it. I'm, most women do, that's for sure. And I am not Absolutely. one that goes against that grain. All right. So you have been in business for a very long time. Um, just explain to us a little bit about what Concierge Diamonds is all about, your mission and all that good stuff in LA. Sure. So uh, my background is I'm a third generation jeweler and diamond dealer. My family has been in the jewelry business for almost a hundred years now. Amazing. And uh, I, I grew up with my parents working in the in the wholesale space in New York's Diamond District. Mm-hmm. But I uh, came out to California as a teenager and, you know, n- never left. And so when the time came for me to uh, enter the world of jewelry, I worked for a while with my uncle, who at the time was one of the top uh, diamond manufacturers in the world. And, uh, and learned the, the wholesale and import-export business from him. Uh, then I went uh, to, to work for a large diamond dealer in Los Angeles and learned the jewelry side of the business. And about uh, 10, almost 10 and a half years ago, I started Concierge Diamonds out of my kitchen. And our mission is to uh, just to pair people with the right stones and rings for them. Mm-hmm. So every piece that we make is custom-made. And... Our, our goal is to try to educate our clients about diamonds and about jewelry uh, before they make a purchase. Because I find that buying, especially an important piece of jewelry like an engagement ring, can be very, very intimidating. And there's a lot of jargon. There's a lot to know. And I find that many, many jewelers kind of use that information inequality against the consumer yeah. and, and, and manipulate the situation so that they can maximize their profits. Yeah. Whereas what I like to try to do, I believe... Selfishly or not, I believe that the better educated you are, the better we're going to look. So I try to educate my clients. And and as a result, they're making informed decisions, which lets them feel a lot more comfortable about what it is that they're buying. Yeah, it's a lot of gray area. It's, it's confusing to people. I mean, even for me, I mentioned to you briefly, you know, I have a little of experience from my past life in the industry, not me personally, mm-hmm. but a connection to it. But even still, like, I have no idea. I look at a diamond, it's a diamond. Like, I don't know what the client, so let's go through some of that. Um, sure. What is the first step? So now you're like getting, getting engaged or you're thinking about getting engaged. Like, when should someone come and see you before right. you're ready to pop the question? When you're thinking about it, like when you start talking about it, like how how long does the process take? And let's talk, walk us through the process a little bit. Yeah, so that, that's a good and important question. And I think the first question you should ask yourself if you're thinking about getting engaged is, do I want to do the ring creation process on my own or do we want to do it together as a couple? Mm-hmm. Because I find that, uh, you know, 20 years ago when I first started working in engagement rings, 90% of the time it was, you know, one partner coming in on his own to try to figure out what his what his partner might like. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, I would say 75% of the time or more, it's a couple coming in together. Is it? So, okay. yes, that, that is by far more common these days, whether they're coming in virtually or physically, for couples to have discussed it and to be working on it together. Because I think that while certainly it remains a beautiful tradition for the circumstances of a proposal to be a surprise. In other words, are you going to propose, you know, over dinner or while walking on the beach or have all all your friends there or not? Mm -hmm. That can all be a surprise. But the fact that a proposal is coming generally isn't a surprise anymore. That's true. That's very true. Most people who get proposed to are expecting it. And I think, uh, you know, traditionally, I think the guy in a relationship 
often doesn't really know his girlfriend's taste in jewelry as well as he'd like to, just because it's very tricky and there's a lot of jargon and there's a lot to know. And it's very difficult from looking at the kind of necklaces and earrings somebody likes to wear to understand what they might like in a ring that they're going to wear every day for the rest of their lives. So the first question is, do you want to do it on your own or do you want to do it together? Can I just interject really quick? Because I have a follow-up question to that before you go on. I remember I was engaged twice, married once, engaged twice. All right. Three times the charm, I'm hoping, but we'll see. But at any rate, in both instances, I was like not wanting to be a part of that because I only because I had specific taste um, and one ring I liked better than the other. And I'll just leave it at that. But I felt very uncomfortable because of the the monetary factor. Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. want my suitor, boyfriend, whatever to feel uncomfortable because they had a budget and like maybe I would have picked something that was out of the budget. I have a tendency to to do that for myself. So I'm quite confident to say I probably would have done it to them. So how do you, how do the couples handle that dynamic before we go on to the other stuff? So I'll tell you how I, how I manage that with couples okay. and I'll tell you cute, two cute stories on that exact topic. Oh, good. Um, okay, good. So, so in an initial phone call that I'll have with a client prior to setting up a meeting and we do meetings both physically and virtually, but this is the same either way. Right. So prior to setting up actually showing stones to a client, one of the first things I establish is a budget. So, for example, if a guy has, let's say, a $10,000 budget, mm-hmm. I simply will not show $20,000 stones when that okay. date comes. Okay, so you had that conversation so that, before the couple comes that's in right. together. That's right. So when a client comes in together, I can sit down and say, hey, there's nothing here that puts you into a danger zone. Everything you'll see today will be in your budget. Some stuff might be less, but nothing will be more. Okay. So you don't have to worry about getting yourself into deep water that you didn't intend to swim in okay. because I've protected you from that. Okay, that's um, awesome. Do the, so that do, way, do both partners typically know what the budget is, or is it usually one partner that you have that conversation than not, with? They, more often than do. not, they both know, but those, those that's the stories I was talking about earlier. I can tell you two incidents that okay. both happened quite a few years ago, but they, they stuck with me because they're so memorable. Uh-huh. I had a couple come in once, and at one point, um, the girlfriend went to the bathroom, and she, you know, she left the room for a moment. Mm-hmm. And so the boyfriend said to me, listen, I know that she's self-conscious about me spending all this money on her. I really want to get her something gorgeous. Do me a favor. Whatever stones cost, just tell us half. I will know to double it in my head, and she'll never know oh, how much I actually good. spent. Oh, that's good. That's so, really good. So that's what I did in, in, in that case. Okay. And then I had another time where a couple came in, and she was a very successful attorney. And he was, I don't remember, I want to say he was a plumber or a carpenter. Okay. Uh, you know, definitely a guy who had stuff going on, but didn't make the kind of money that she Right, they have different um, budget. They, right. Yeah, and so yeah. at one point, he went to the restroom and she very quickly pulled out a checkbook and wrote me a pretty big check and just said, Hey, whatever these things cost, just take this much off it and never tell him oh because, my God. you know, cause his pride wouldn't be able to be okay with it. But you know, I work in a fancy office and I like what I like and I want to get what I want to get, but I don't want that to be a burden for him. So I will tell you, I've got a lot of stories and anecdotes about my career and the vast majority of them are stories about people being awesome. Occasionally, I'll have stories about somebody being a jerk, but far more often than not, people people are cool if you give them a chance to be cool. That's so cool. That's a good I have philosophy. A lot, yeah, mm-hmm. I have a lot more experience with people being great to each other than otherwise. And it's one of my favorite things about my industry and my job and what I do for a living is, you know, I tend to talk to guys who are planning the best day of their lives. 
that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah, you're making my, people happy. My, you and the orthodontist, right. they get the smile right. and you get the happy, the happy couple. Yeah, that's one of my awesome. teammates that used to work for a family lawyer before she got into the industry, and she's like, you know, every client we met was having the worst day of their lives. Yeah. And it's so nice that now every client we meet is having the best day of their lives. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's great. It's yeah. great. That's awesome. Um, okay, so yeah, that, so, that's good stuff. All right, good points, good information. All right, so, okay, so now we've factored in the budget, then what? Mm-hmm. So, so I always try to ask a few basic questions that'll help me to put together a curation of diamonds for that client. So one question is budget, which we've already talked about. Another question I'll ask is, what shape of diamond are you are you are you thinking of? Because most people have a pretty good idea whether they want a round stone or an oval or a princess cut or what have you. So mm-hmm. what shape of diamond? Then what metal type are you are you imagining for your ring? So white gold, yellow gold, rose gold, or gold or platinum are by far the most common choices. What's the and most then, trendy? Let me stop you again. I'm sorry, you're gonna sure, choke sure, me, sure. I know, Dan. No, so, no, not at all. What what is on trend right now in terms of the the shape of the stone and the metal of the stone? When I was so, age, it was princess and emerald. I had an emerald and I had round, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I had platinum. Is so well okay. So round is certainly evergreen, right? Seventy mm-hmm. percent of all engagement rings in the United States, at least, feature a round diamond. Okay. So round is the industry standard. It's a classic. It's not going anywhere. Um, among non-round stones today. Kind of the it girl is oval. Oval's mm. been having a moment for the last few years. Yeah. Uh, five, five years ago, it was cushion cut, cushion cut, cushion cut. Yeah. Now it's oval, oval, oval. Um, and here's a prediction for you. I predict pear shape is going to be next. Pear? I, really? I, pear shape. I, I see huh. pear shape ready to have a moment. I think it's up and coming. Uh, certainly in my business, I'm stocking up on pear shapes because I- Oh, I that's interesting. next year. Yeah. So pear shapes are common. As far as metal- uh, Rose gold had a bit of a moment a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, today, I would say yellow gold is, is coming strong in, in kind of a big way. Um, white gold and platinum are visually virtually identical to each other. Yeah. So many people who are choosing white metal, a lot of times clients will say they want silver because they don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, silver, you can't actually use for a diamond it's ring. too soft. The metal right? too soft. Right? Yeah. It can't hold stones. But white gold and platinum, there are some pros and cons to either one that... You know, I'll I'll discuss on a on a client by client basis, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but um, you know, white metal is probably still the most popular. Then yellow, and then rose. Rose can be a great distinctive choice. It's not the most common by any stretch, but uh, it's a beautiful look. And one advantage to using rose gold or yellow gold is you can use a lower color of diamond and get away with it. Oh, because, that's interesting. Right? Why? Because, because of the yellow. Well, like, because, yeah, when you're setting a stone against a pure white metal, yeah. it's very easy for the eye to see the contrast mm-hmm. between the stone color and the white metal. Mm-hmm. But when the metal is a little darker, like yellow or rose, which is, for those of you who aren't familiar with rose gold, it's kind of a coppery, pinkish kind of looking color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a stone that's a little bit yellowish and you set it in yellow gold, you can't really tell. And if you have a stone that's a little bit kind of uh, brownish, rust colored, which is pretty common in diamonds, you can set that in rose gold and not really see it. So that's a cool money-saving hack that I'll mention to clients that, hey, if you're thinking about yellow or rose gold, we can reduce the diamond color and save you some money. Mm-hmm. And you'll never see the difference. And you can get a bigger stone. 
Right. You can spend that money on something else. Yeah. Right. Spend that money on a bigger stone or spend that money on proposing in Paris if that's what you want. Yeah. If you're going to save money. Oh, if you're Mindy. Now I'm just. Amen. Amen to that. All right. That's Um, great advice. That's a good hack. All right. Continue on. So, so, so budget, diamond shape, metal color, and then do you, are, are you thinking of a pretty simple minimalist kind of ring? Or are you thinking of a more elaborate, lots of stuff going on kind of setting? Like side because, stones and things like that? Yeah, that side mean? stones and mm-hmm. engraving and elaborate pave. Mm-hmm. Or do you want something clean and simple? Because mm-hmm. I'm when I ask that question, I'm mentally budgeting. How gotcha. much of your budget do I have to allow for the setting right. so that I know what's left over for the time? So once I know the answers to those four questions, that will give me enough to know what stones I can put into a curation of diamonds for that client. And I always start with the center stone. Because the vast majority of your budget will be spent on the center diamond versus mm-hmm. the setting, mm-hmm. right? If you're buying a $20,000 ring, you're probably spending 18000 of it on the diamond and 2000 of it on the setting. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on the diamond first. Also, it's very important to choose a diamond before you start making the setting <clears throat> because whatever color and shape diamond you choose, we want to make sure that we're selecting side stones and pave stones that match it. Right. So if you're choosing, for example, a J or K color diamond, a lower color diamond, you don't want to put super white side stones next to it because you'll create that contrast and give away the game. Right. And similarly, if we're if we're choosing a very, very white, you know, DE color center stone, you have to use very, very white side stones so that everything looks matching and the piece looks holistic. So we always start with the center stone. And then once we select the center stone, we're custom building the ring around it so that the prongs are designed to perfectly fit the center stone, the ring is designed to perfectly fit the finger of the wearer, and the design is exactly what the, you know, the couple wants it to be with exactly the features and look that they want it to have. That's great. That's awesome. Um, really good information. How long would you say the process typically takes overall, like to, so, um, from like start to finish and the process yeah. of looking for the diamond? And I mean, I know that part guys take a while, but. With you. It can. Okay. Yeah. So once I've had that initial phone call, it'll typically take me between a few days to a week to assemble a curation of stones for that client, depending on how difficult, you know, how rare the stones that we're looking for are. So let's say up to a week for initial stone curation. Then we'll have a meeting to go over diamonds. If we find the perfect stone the first time around, great. If not, I will take the client's feedback from that first meeting and do a second curation or a third or a fifth or a tenth, however many we need. Until we find the perfect stone. Once we find the perfect stone, the ring design and manufacturing process typically takes about four weeks. So I always advise clients to come and see me 60 to 90 days before they want to have a ring in their pocket ready to propose. Because okay. that gives that gives plenty of time that if let's say there's a four-week ring manufacturing process and I get the ring when it's done and I look at it and it doesn't pass my quality control. For whatever reason, I'm not happy with it. I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to melt that ring and make it again without it becoming my client's problem, right? Right. I don't want them freaking out because they've already invited all their friends and hired a violinist and they're proposing on Saturday and they don't have the ring. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure there's plenty of time. And I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to my rings. I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit strict about it. That's good. You want that, right? As a consumer anyway. Yeah. So I like to have the time to be able to say to my craftsmen, I'm sorry, guys, it's not good enough for me. Do it over mm-hmm. without stressing the client out. So mm-hmm. it's best to start with it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, how about the trend of, of buying a ring to match like a wedding band? Is that still something people are doing or is that passe? So most people are buying the engagement ring first and then designing the wedding band later. Okay. So it's typically about making a band that will go with their ring. Gotcha. And I will tell you, there's more and more of a trend these days of a lot of people are wearing their wedding band on the opposite hand of the That's what I ring. did when I was married. Yeah. yeah. That's more and more common because... One, it frees up design. You don't have to worry about will it fit flush? Will it will it will it you know stack up beautifully next to the ring because you're wearing it on a different finger? Two, I think it allows people to get a kind of bigger, bolder wedding band. Yeah, than they that's would why I did it. <laughs> yeah, right. If you want that big yeah. eternity ring, it might be too yeah. much stacked up next to your engagement yeah. ring. So yeah, okay, you wear it on the other hand. Yeah. Um, and also for for people who are proposing as a surprise. That gives a chance for the bride to be to be involved in the wedding band mm-hmm. process because that's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, how about buying a, an engagement ring online? What are your thoughts about that? I know no. there's a lot of influencers that are doing that. Um, they have their own jewelry lines and things like that. And I, I would never do something like that. Everyday fashion jewelry is one thing for me personally, but like that's a huge investment. And then. What happens if you don't like it? What are your thoughts? I, I agree. I agree. I think that the the click and buy model, especially when it comes to something like an engagement ring, I think you're doing yourself a disservice doing that. Um, I will often tell people, look, when you're buying a stone online, you're going based off the paperwork of the stone and maybe a couple of pictures. Yeah. And, you know, buying a diamond based off nothing but the paperwork is like marrying somebody based off nothing but their Tinder profile. <laughs> like you just you yeah. just don't know enough. They could be crazy. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um and so the best thing you can do is of course is to see the diamonds for yourself. But let's say you live someplace where it's not convenient for you to go and see a true diamond dealer, see a real expert, and get to see a selection of stones. Mm-hmm. The next best thing is to work with an expert like me, but I'm certainly not the only such person you know. Um, work with an expert who can act as your proxy. Who can say, listen, I examined 50 stones on your behalf. Here are my top five. Let's talk about the virtues, the pros and cons of these five. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. And maybe we choose one of those five and maybe we don't. But if we don't, then I, as the expert, get that feedback. And I'll now put together another top five, mm-hmm. top three. So you can um, work with you like, or someone like virtually, I guess. Is that correct? Mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm based true. in Los Angeles, but I work with clients all over the country and all over the world. That's We've awesome. shipped rings to all 50 states and uh, I think we're now over 50 countries that we've shipped to. Good. So, so people from everywhere um, uh, come to us and we work virtually with them. So with a, a sequence of, we do a lot of photos and a lot of videos and, you know, we'll do a FaceTime or what have you. Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. get a pretty good sense of stone and whatever I can't convey to you, I can find a way to take an image that will convey it. Sounds like you're obviously, hence your name, the concierge. Um, you're very, very consumer friendly and very much like, you know, hands on with your customers, which I feel like as in your industry is, in, at least my opinion, is unique. So aside from your knowledge and your great inventory, I'm sure you're doing well because of your customer service. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't complain. You know, we, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're doing well. We're growing business. And that's great. You know, you know, my way of doing things is a lot more labor intensive than the big websites, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't just throw stuff up on the internet and wait for the money to roll in. It's a lot more work. Right. But I think it's the right way to do things so that couples can get a ring that they're proud of and I can have a product that I'm proud of. Because at the end of the day, my rings are my calling card, right? My business only succeeds if a year after the proposal, there's a couple at a party and everybody's going, 
oh my gosh, where'd you get that ring? And they go, would you believe I met a guy on the internet and we started to talk and da 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 And right. before you know it, their college roommates and their dentists and their kid brothers are calling me looking for engagement rings. That's so that's, so that's it's great. a get rich slowly scheme. Yeah, man. totally, yeah. totally. Um, okay, so now we have the ring, we're happy, we get married, everything's awesome, it has nothing to do with the ring, but now we don't like the guy anymore, the girl anymore, we're getting divorced. So what do you do yeah. with your ring? I actually have my stone in a safe deposit box, and I'm like on the fence. Um, I'm saving it for my son, but I don't think it's bad luck. <laughs> I was going to make it into a necklace, but then I was afraid because it's a really good quality diamond, I don't want to wear it on my neck, and then the chain breaks, Like, and then what? I lose the ring um, or the stone. Then I was going to make it into a ring, but I was like, oh, like with another stone and I don't want it to look like an engagement ring. So I also don't want to sell it because I'll never get the one, the money for it. I don't think, but what do you think? What are your thoughts on well, that? Okay. So, so that, that's a whole big topic. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, okay. The, the first is you're concerned about wearing it because what if you lose it? And the answer for that is very simple, right? A ship in the Harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. I you love that quote. Really I use it in a, in a keynote I did. That's great. Okay, I go love ahead. That yeah. Uh, you've got you've got to wear your jewelry and the answer to that is insurance. You can get very inexpensive insurance policies to cover your jewelry while you're wearing it. Um and then go out and enjoy your jewelry. So, please don't leave your stone sitting in a safe box. If you want to make a pendant with it, make the pendant, get the insurance and wear your jewelry. Okay. But, so the the bigger question of the relationship has ended for one reason or another, what do we do with this time? Now, it's important to note the advice I'm going to give you now applies to natural diamonds, not to lab-grown diamonds. Right. Well, uh, we're only, I wanted to clarify that. Thank you for saying that. For everyone listening, we're only talking about the natural diamonds because they're right. totally different animals. That's a whole other show and whole other conversation. That, that's okay. right. And I'm happy right. to have that conversation with you. Yeah, we could do that another day. That would be actually right. a good follow-up. All right, go ahead. So for today, we're talking about natural diamonds. Yes. The good news is natural diamonds do retain value. And over the long term, they appreciate as well. So, it you know, it is entirely possible that the stone that you bought 20 years ago is worth a lot more today than what you paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, there's one stone in my office that's famous because I've now bought and sold it four times. Um, because, <laughs> and, and every time for good reasons. It's always a client that's like upgrading. Upgrade, yeah, 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 yeah. And every time I've bought it, I've paid more for it. And every time I've sold it, I've sold it for more because the value of it has kept going up. Mm -hmm. um, so... So how the question is, how do you as a consumer who doesn't have a background or a network of contacts squeeze that value back out of the diamond if you if you wanna if you wanna do that? Mm -hmm. So the first question to ask yourself is, am I looking to convert this diamond into cash or am I looking to convert it into a different diamond? Right? Because those approaches will be different. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you're saying, Hey, I I have a ring from a former relationship and now in a new relationship we're looking to to you know, take that next step. Can I get some credit for this diamond against yeah. yeah. versus versus I'm now single. I don't want different jewelry. I want cash in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Right, a different mm -hmm. approach. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for credit, what I would do is find a jeweler that you trust and and just be direct and say, listen, I have the stone. I believe it has some value. How do I translate that into credit? Uh, and by the way, a great way for you to know what that value might be to get a ballpark of it. This is where some of those websites might be useful. Go on one of the big box websites and search for stones that are similar to your, similar to yours on paper. Mm -hmm. say, okay, well, it looks like if I had to buy another stone like this today, I'd be spending about you know twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And then recognize that of course there's profit for the jeweler built into that. Sure. So sure. a jeweler can't buy it for what he's selling it for. They've right. Of course. 
Of course. So take a reasonable haircut, 25, 30% off of that and say, okay, well, if they're selling for $20,000, can I get 12 or 15 for it? You probably can. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's mm-hmm. a reasonable thing for you to expect. And of course, if your stone is particularly unusual and rare and interesting or particular, particularly desirable, you might get more. Um, another thing that if, if you don't want to do the online, if you want to really get a more assessment of your stone, here's kind of a dirty trick that I, that I've, I've t- taught people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's slightly shady to do it, but only slightly. And I think you'll appreciate that. You like a little value. shade on the razor just a, ring. Just it's fine. Little, just a little, just a little shade. Yeah. You're, you're not hurting anybody. Here's right. what you do. Mm-hmm. Go into a reputable jeweler, uh, you know, five towns over from you. Don't go to your neighborhood guy. Somebody yeah. you don't know who doesn't know you. Right. And just say, Hey, I'd like to show you a ring. This ring belongs to my sister and I want one just like it. What would it cost me? To have you replicate this ring, the exact same quality. I want to make another one exactly like it. And they'll give you a number. And then you say, okay, great. So can I expect to sell this one for 30% less than that? <laughs> got it? Yeah. Right? That's the best way to find the replacement cost of your ring. Because I got what you. you paid for it, good, bad, or otherwise, yeah. doesn't matter. That's what matters smart. is what would it cost to replace it today, right? I often tell people this when they go, oh, well, I paid $30,000 for the stone. Why Why am I, Why am can I only get twenty for it now? Because you overpaid. I, well, what you paid isn't relevant, right? Yeah. What if your grandmother gave you the stone and you got it for free? Does yeah. that mean it's not worth anything? Right. right. I mean, so, right. It doesn't matter what, and I. And by the way, I apply that exact same thinking to every stone that I buy and put in my safe and my inventory. Mm-hmm. My cost basis is not relevant. What's relevant is my replacement cost today, right? Mm-hmm. What you paid for your stock certificate in Microsoft 10 years ago isn't relevant either. What matters is what's it worth today. Right. Um, right. So right, right. You know, it's it's all about replacement cost. And that's the way you have to think about it, right? All right. If a jeweler was going to have to buy a diamond just like this today, what would they expect to pay? And then you expect the jeweler to get a slightly better deal than that because, you know, he didn't wake up this morning hoping you were going to come in to sell him stuff, right? So there's an right. opportunity cost. Right. So exactly. The good news is, again, with a good quality natural diamond, you will get value for it. If you don't have a, uh, a report for your diamond, a diamond certificate mm-hmm. from an independent gem lab, mm-hmm. I strongly recommend that you send it to GIA, mm-hmm. which is the most well-known and, mm-hmm. and strict, stringent That's what I did when I got divorced. I did it just yeah. to have my own. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, get a, though. Get a GIA report for mm-hmm. this stuff because then the jeweler can't argue with you about, oh, well, I don't think the color's that good. I don't think the clarity's that good. It's not your word against his. It's GIA's word. And they are authoritative on this mm-hmm. So if GIA says a stone is a GSI-1, then it's a GSI-1 and nobody's going to argue with that. So, so I definitely recommend if you're going to try to sell a stone, uh, it's to your advantage to have the stone certified so that there's no argument over, over what it is. And by the way, bear in mind, if that report comes back and it's less sexy than you were hoping it would be. It is what it is, right? Sorry, yeah. guys. It is what it is. That's what the stone is. Right. Um, exactly. I've had a lot of people who said, well, my husband told me it was this, that, and the other. Well, that's not, I'm sorry. That's, that's not true. Not, yeah. You know, I mean, like, yeah. You know, he didn't tell you the truth or the jeweler didn't tell him the truth in the first place. But yeah. what GIA says is the truth. Yeah. That's really, really good advice. Thank you so, so much for everything you <laughs> shared today. Joe, as we wrap up, because we're just about out of time, how can everybody mm-hmm. listening find you? Well, I hope you all are interested in finding me. Um, again, my company's called Concierge Diamonds. You can find us online at conciergediamonds.com. Uh, you can always email me, dan at conciergediamonds.com. You can call us 
213-261-4330. I'm also very, very active on Reddit where I go by Diamond Dealer. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm there all day, every day. Uh, look me up and send me a message. How about Instagram? Uh, or you have a space? Yeah, Concierge okay. Diamonds on Instagram, Concierge Diamonds on Facebook. Okay. We're all over the place. We're easy to find. And I, I'd love to talk with any or all of you about any questions you have about diamonds. All right, great. You've been awesome. Thank you. Hey, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Of course. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Race for the Ring. Today's episode was produced by Liz Hartshorn and edited by Danielle Gordon. I so appreciate your ear and insight. And if you like today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast. Just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death. Be sure to check out my new book, You Don't Need to Be a Bitch to Be a Boss. It's available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. And say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Mindy.Barnett. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.